This is the Walleye's Eye to Eye. Hello, I'm Matt Prokopchuk, and welcome to Eye to Eye, our monthly feature here at the Walleye, where we go one-on-one and behind the headlines with influencers and newsmakers in the local Thunder Bay scene to get to know them a little bit better. For this episode, and produced for our July 2023 issue, I spoke with Michelle Solomon. Solomon is the new chief of Fort William First Nation, who was elected in late May. She has also worked in community development with the Ontario Native Women's Association, as well as in the fields of mental health and addictions, restorative justice, and adult education. She spoke with the walleye about her election win, her favorite festival to attend, her personal hero, and more. Now we go eye to eye with Michelle Solomon. So just for starters, I guess, just your reaction upon being elected. Um, you know what? It's It's been a really, um, it's been really exciting and, and humbling um, to be elected to this role. It's, um, it's a role that I know uh, my community, they hold in high regard. So it, it has been... Um, you know, the best way I can describe it is, is to express how, how humbled I've been and how honored I've been to be um, elected. It's, yeah, it's really, it has left me speechless a couple of times, for sure. What made you want to make the leap from seeking re-election as a councillor to seeking election as, as chief? I guess I'm hoping that the experiences that I've had um, as a council person, uh, combined with the um, knowledge and experience I have working in Indigenous leadership, particularly Indigenous women's leadership, um, will contribute to improving the um, the community well-being. I think having the having the privilege of leading our community into some um, some growth, internal growth. How so? Like what, what, what type of growth do you see? We have a lot of work to do in terms of our, um, our governing uh, policies and laws in, in the First Nation. Um, I will say that the pandemic kind of really was a setback to us, but um, I would like to have the opportunity to um, help lead us in those conversations at the community level. So really doing a lot of a lot of work internally with the community and with the administration and the leadership. Kind so of a re-engaging process, maybe. It, yes. Improving our relationships, um, developing um, a strategic plan, if you will, um, through some visioning exercises of you know, what, what do people really want in the community? What is the priorities that the community sees are important? You know, more of a grassroots up process than, um, you know, a government down process. So moving on, our, um, our, our July issue that uh, this interview will be uh, put in, it's our festival guide, right? So it's, we're taking a look at the various festivals and events that happen in, in and around the Thunder Bay, northwestern Ontario area. 
throughout the summer. Is there a particular event or festival? It could be music, could be arts, could be cultural. Is there any particular event that, that really speaks to you or something that you really enjoy attending? Well, <clears throat> the weekend, the July 1st weekend is Fort William First Nation's annual powwow weekend. And so for me, that's important because it brings our community together and um, it really provides that opportunity for community pride, inviting community to our um, sacred mountain. And, um, you know, people come from all over to attend this. Um, so I really love that and uh, definitely spend time there over that weekend. That's been, I don't know how many years that's been our powwow weekend, but it's it's been many, many years from you know, when I was a kid, I remember it being July 1st weekend. Um, yeah, so that comes to mind for sure. What is it specifically about uh, the Powwow Weekend? Is there a specific part of it or um, that, that, that really has always kind of hooked you? Well, like I said, it's, it's, an, it's a time when, you know, the community all comes together in celebration and pride community pride and um so those are the main things and um and there's actually you know one of the things that's important for me and i haven't really shared this publicly anywhere before right now i guess um is having you know a fort william first nation every fort william first nation child matters because you know we we do talk about every child matters out there in the larger context, but I would really like to bring meaning to that in our own community. And so um, one of the ways I'd like to see that happen is to ensure that all of our young people who would like to have a regalia to dance at the powwow um, be supported to have that. Um, you know, because it, it is out of reach for some children, some young people. And I don't want it to be out of reach for, for young people. I want it to be something that is accessible to them so that, you know, if that's what makes them feel pride in their Indigenous heritage, then, then I want them to have that. That opportunity. Yes. If I may ask, you mentioned it can be out of reach to some. How so? So um, perhaps financially, perhaps not having um, a family member that can make the regalia, um, perhaps, you know, just perhaps maybe their parents are not able to provide that for whatever reason. So, of course, you know, this will require um, an effort from the community to, to help something like this happen. So I'll be calling on others to, um, to help out with that. And I just think, you know, it, it isn't something that should be out of reach. It should be something that, that should be within reach to, to young Indigenous people in, in our community. 
Your background, if I'm not mistaken, you, you mentioned obviously leadership. Um, I believe you've also worked in, in the social services as well, correct? With the Delico, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, I worked, um, I worked at the uh, Adult Residential Treatment Center for Delico for about 12 years. I've spent a total of about 15 years working in mental health and addiction. And so um, I have... Um, I have a strong background in that, and um, I've done some work in restorative justice and some work in adult education. Is there a particular place that your career has taken you that that, that really stands out to you? Um, I feel like every place that I've worked has contributed to me as a person well, and working at the Ontario Native Women's Association, for example, very early on as a young woman, I was part of their board of directors. And that had a huge impact on my desire to be part of leadership and to be part of um, change in our communities. And that probably stemmed from my mother's involvement with the Ontario Native Women's Association. And so, you know, it kind of has, has had a big impact on my life. Working what was your mother's my, role? My mother's role? Sorry. Mom, that's okay. Yeah. Um, so my mother was um, part of the membership of ONWA. I don't know that she was, uh, she may have um, spent a term on their board of directors as well. But ONWA is a membership organization, so um, there's women from all across Ontario that are members of ONWA. You mentioned that your mother's um, involvement with ONWA, it, it's, it shaped how you felt, uh, you know, working with them and, and ultimately how it, uh, your career since then. Um, how, how did that sort of uh, come into play? Well, Indigenous women you know, at that time experienced a lot of uh, discrimination and oppression. And so the work of the Ontario Native Women's Association, even way back then, was really focused on on, um, echoing the voice of Indigenous women to try to affect change to those discriminatory things that women were experiencing. Uh, particularly as a result of the Indian Act. So I've had a lot of um, personal experience with those discriminatory things, and it really impacted my life in a lot of ways. And so um, having the opportunity to be part of giving voice to that and changing that has been really central to who I am today. Thank you so much for meeting with Lois uh, for the f- for for the photos. Um, funnily enough, we kind of did this one a little bit out of order, but uh, usually I do the interview and then we, we shoot the photos after. Um, which is interesting though, because I got to see the photos ahead of doing the interview, and mm-hmm. the two locations that I know Lois and you met at were the Fort Liam First Nation Cemetery um, and down by the water. Mm-hmm. What what is it about those two locations that uh, really speak to you specifically within your community? Right. So, I mean, the area by the water, of course, you know, that was 
that area, there's a dock there. And so, um, you know, the dock is a place where as a kid, you know, um, we played around that dock. We swam in that area of the water a lot. Um, there was, there was a couple of fish shacks actually that were on the dock. And so we played around that a lot, but, um, it took me back to a time in life where the, during, um, herring fishing season, when the men and the women would come together and, um, the men would go out and fish and there may have been a couple of women that were part of the fishing as well. Um, but you know, the women would clean the fish when the fish was brought back to the dock and, it just took me to a time where the men and the women worked together um, and, you know, just to the earlier years of ways that um, people made a living. And of course that fish would go to market back then. Right. Um, and then just, you know, that area was an area that as kids, we all played in that area. And of course, you know, it was easy for the adults to keep an eye on us there. And and then we went to the cemetery. And um, when I think about that cemetery, it really, it makes me think about, again, a lot of the um, oppressive things that happened um, to our people. Um, so one side of that cemetery is actively used and um, then the other side of it is it's more of a burial mound than um, a marked cemetery and that is where so in 1905 I don't know how familiar you are with the land takings that have happened at Fort William First Nation but uh, there was the land taking in 1905 by the Grand Trunk Pacific Railway. And when that land taking happened, the whole community was basically evicted from that land. So they had to take their buildings, their homes, um, everything had to be moved, including um, the, the burial ground had to be moved. So the ancestors had to be unearthed and moved. And so that's where they were moved to was where the, the cemetery is today. And so um, when I was a young girl, my father um, and I went down there a few times. And, and of course he told me about, um, you know, the, the cemetery and kind of what happened and, at that time, there was just this a little footpath that went down to the cemetery. It's not like it is today. It's a paved road going in there. And, um, of course, at that time, it wasn't used actively like it is now. So that's kind of like, it just brings me back to experiences of the people, um, why I chose those places to do the pictures. And ultimately, the people that you now represent, yes, in your yes. current your yes. current role. <laughs>
yeah. And, and I just, you know, there's so many people who, even our own people who don't fully know some of the things that happened. And of course, I mean, not everybody's going to know, but I think it's important to, to share that information. It's important to um, transfer that information and knowledge and to shine light on, on, on this, on some of the things that happened as a result of, you know, the Indian act, because, that land taking that happened in 1905 that's 55 years after the signing of the treaty so the signing at the signing of the treaty land was provided for in the treaty for each of the communities which of course later came to be in dispute but even so this land was identified as land of the first nation and then it was taken after the signing of the treaty and if I'm not mistaken, and not that even if the other would make this any better, obviously, but if I'm not mistaken, when they took the land, they ultimately never ended up building what they were going to build. They didn't. No, they were they were to build a grain a grain terminus, and it was never built. Yeah. Again, even if they did, it doesn't make it right. I'm not suggesting that at all. But it's no. almost it makes it even worse. And and actually, that happened. There was there was other examples of that happening at Fort William First Nation as well, where land was taken for an identified purpose. And then, you know, and of course, the um, Indigenous Services Canada, which was would have been Indian Affairs back then, like they reserved the right to do this. So it's, yeah, it's interesting history. It's, it's sad history. And it's history that people should be aware of. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Away from work, um, you know, when when you do have a little bit of time away, what's your perfect start to, say, a Saturday or a Sunday? (laughs) Um, So Saturdays are pretty typical for me, actually. I get up and load up the recycling, and uh, my mother and I take a ride to the city, and I bring my recycling, and it's pretty, yeah, that's, that's very typical. Um, I have grandchildren, so, you know, I like to spend time with my grandkids. I've, I've been involved in a lot of different community initiatives and events um, over the past few years of my life. So I, I have a very busy life. Always and on the go. I would, lo- I would love to do some fishing, but I just don't ever seem to get to it. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me a little bit about uh, fishing. Is that something you've done over the course of, of your life? Um, well, I, I used to own a boat and I don't anymore, but, um, yeah, I like, I, I really enjoy fishing, any, any kind of fishing. Um, it's, uh, it's a good thing to do with family and friends. And of course it's, you know, great food. I don't know. I just, I, I really enjoy it. Was there a certain uh, area that you particularly liked? And I'm not asking you to, you know, give away your secrets or anything. But is there a perfect, or is there a specific area you really like to fish at, or, or you know, it's style of fishing, or a certain type of fish that you like to to go out and and catch uh, catch for? Honestly, like, um, I prefer to fish in a little lake opposed to Lake Superior. Um, I just, um, you know. Fish. We fish as a community um, 
more often than not at Pie Island. So it's fishing on a smaller lake. And who doesn't like walleye? I love walleye. But of course, you know, you don't catch just walleye. So it's either right. perch, pike, or, or walleye. And my, my daughter camps at Dog Lake. So sometimes I go out there. And get the rod in the water when you can? Yeah, absolutely. When I can. But I do, like, I like to do a lot of things. I like to be involved in community events happening, like the races. You know, I like to go out and check that out. You know, if there's awareness campaigns in the city, I like to be involved in that. I feel like I'm a pretty community-oriented person, and um, I like to support community events and initiatives if I can. Is there somebody who you particularly look up to? Um, I mean, I'll say personal hero, but I mean, you can sort of take that question how, how, how you will. Um, you know, is somebody who you particularly look up to? I mean, when I think about, you know, my life and who has had the greatest impact on me in my life, I, you know, of course, it's probably true for many people, but... Um, I'm no exception. My mother has had like a really big influence on, on me. Um, I look at her history and, um, she, she did a lot of amazing things with very little education. And I'm going to say, you know, not that, uh, I guess, Sometimes education is not always accessible to people. And um, she had me really young. So, you know, the, the achievements she had came from, I guess, you know, her own personal qualities. That's who I feel has had the greatest impact on me and of course um you know mostly impacted by my mother but being a mother has also really impacted my life and wanting to be the best person that I can be you mentioned obviously not only are you a mother you're a grandmother as well Um, I am what has what has that taught you you know if there was ever something that could teach you unconditional love it's being a grandparent because even with your own children, you know, you have these expectations. And But I think by the time you're a grandparent, you just see the world a little differently. And um, you, your expectation turns into hope, I feel, you know. And you just, um, you just have more patience. And um, it's just different. It's just a different feeling. And, and maybe it's because I was a young parent. I'm not sure, but um, but I feel like I'm a better grandparent than I was a parent in some ways because I just I'm more laid back with my grandkids. You've also had time too, right? I mean, it's it's when one becomes a grandparent, um, you know, one is obviously older um, and has a bit more just general experience. I would yeah. imagine. Absolutely, and and that's why I say your expect your expectations are are lessened, and um, 
you can just you can have a little bit more fun and a little bit uh yeah it's just a little more relaxed as a grandparent than it is as a parent michelle thank you so much for doing this i really appreciate your time and how generous you were with it and i wish you all the best thank you well thank you and that is the walleye's eye to eye for july 2023 with fort william first nation chief michelle solomon to stay up to date with the latest on fort william first nation check them out on facebook and at the community's website at fwfn.ca and to stay up to date with us here at the walleye check out the walleye.ca and follow us on facebook twitter and instagram our eye-to-eye audio interviews can be heard on many podcasting platforms, including Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and more. For The Walleye, I'm Matt Prokopchuk. Have a great day. <laughs>